This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Nikola Majirov is an award-winning poet, essayist, literary translator and editor from Macedonia, with his poetry having been translated into over 30 languages. So we caught Nikola here in Kuala Lumpur during his recent visit to attend the Georgetown Literary Festival. Thank you for joining me, Nikola. Thank you for the invitation. Um, So you're from Macedonia originally. Tell me about your family's history there. Yeah, I... In fact, um, I'm. Um, my ancestors are coming uh, from the south, and they were war refugees during the Balkan Wars around 100 years ago. In fact, when uh, the fall of Ottoman Empire happened, in that time, nations that were new nations that were already formed started the second uh, Balkan War, uh, uh, usually um, as it happens after they they unite uh, to defeat the bigger, the big enemy, then they start eating themselves. So the borders were quite flexible and moving from one day to another. And many families, many people had to move in order to survive. My second name, Majirov, in fact, means migrant. It comes from the Arabic word Mohajir, the short version Majir. And people thought that because there were movements also from east to west, from Middle East to to Balkans in that time, many people came just to to enter the empty homes, the abandoned homes, and the, um, let's say, the people from Strumica thought that also my family comes from Middle East and they named them Majiri. The absurd, the absurd is that uh, before this, the second name was Stamenovi, which it means something stable. And I think since then, my family lives this life of absurd, this life of dynamic homes, movements from one place to another. And somehow, I think this return that I, in my mind is uh, another word for home fixed um, as the only root on my tree of existence. and. Maybe that's why I like so much to come back to places where I have been. Kuala Lumpur, for example, mm-hmm. is one of these places for return, one of those places for being present. Besides this sort of history, which is quite a both a rich and a complex history for your family, you also grew up in, um, in Macedonia at a time when it was under Soviet rule and then only in eight when you were in your teenage when teen years did it become its own nation is that right yeah in fact it was um, I grew up in communism of course Yugoslavia Macedonia was at that time part of Yugoslavia and we grew up with uh, this sense that everything that we had was the best in the world there were 
not many labels, not many colors around, not the variety of of life was mostly present in in the forest during the autumn where and and spring where the change of, of trees and the replacement of animals was happening in social life things were fixed by the state and only only our parents and my and grandparents knew that there's something wrong but in order to to def- let's say to protect the family they were not talking about or they were developing another language the language that became um, let's say there uh, was parallel language with the ones that we were hearing from the radio or from the TV station in that sense I think uh, even now I cannot when I talk I cannot divide or I, I cannot make difference from what metaphor is and mm. what real naming of things is and I I really uh, think in that way that poetry has to become embodiment of life or of memory that of memories that and hopes that maybe never happened never existed but they are inside the bloodstream of of the ones that dreams the ones that remembers mm. and memory really at that time became the um, the hardest shape of existence. When did you first start writing poetry? The good thing is that I really don't remember the first correct line. Let's say I don't. I remember that I was I was making signs everywhere around me, and it was not a sign of of proving my own presence or trying to continue something that nature uh, started developing or generating. It was kind of just urge for dialogue um, because in silence you, you think of all the voices that are missing and or you recreate the voices that that you need to to hear mm. and poetry is about it it's first is internal dialogue it's introspective and then you decide to share it uh, no matter the number of witnesses that's the beauty because things with poetry cannot be measured um, I remember Bei Dao, the Chinese poet, once said that a freedom is the distance between the hunter and the animal. And I think the writer dreams of this kind of freedom, of this space in between. And at the same time, I would say that he's, while writing poetry, he is both. He is the hunter and he is the animal. Um. Do you remember, though, at what age you first started this idea of this metaphors that you were surrounded by as you were growing up? I'm wondering whether there was a point at which it became clear to you that what you were doing was poetry. Yeah. Uh, 
interesting thing was that in all objects, I was trying to find a sign outside of uh, their functional or uh, use, let's say, uh, everyday use. And they were all... Uh, They were all uh, inside the the language of uh, of a dreamer. I was so much interested in this secret life of objects, of their order, of um, their relation towards them, and also to towards uh, uh, people that are uh, placing them there or replacing them as a as with the fate of new beginning, and. I remember that in one of his short uh, essays, uh, even Herbert said that we are that the objects, in fact, make us aware of of space, especially when it's dark in the room. Mm -hmm. Then we become aware of of everything uh, inside. Otherwise, routine takes us, and we forget about the things we are surrounded because we are used to our. I mean, in older times, our um, eyes to be focused on the window and now, now on our mobile phones. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's really uh, this kind of looking for signs. I wouldn't accept even things that were defining, defined like signs also in, in real life, like uh, traffic signs. And so then I have to look at them as symbols. And it was going this race with, uh, with contexts, with um, meanings, and also with sound became part of me. Uh, I was trying to, to look for the other language of society, the otherness of, of nature, and by looking at it, it seems that I started speaking this kind, this language mm. by writing poetry. How old were you? I was very, very young about it. And um, really, I was destroying the walls. I was just throwing tables by writing uh, all these <laughs> things. And, and in fact, uh, my first writing experience, as you can see, was quite painful. And people, uh, and I realized that it's so dangerous to write because you have to destroy surface. <laughs> you have to destroy the uh, reality in order to uh, to rediscover another one. Mm. And maybe that's why I'm so interested in archaeology also, because I was always looking for layers. Uh, for me, a scratch on the wall was not destroying the wall, but it, it was just search for the other layer, what's behind and what's behind the mirror of of reality, of the mirror of dream. Usually, Macedonia is um, um, a country full of mountains, and maybe that's also contributed to try to search something behind. I think mm -hmm. everywhere I travel, I, I urge to find a line in distance to find some surface that will tell me that this is the end, but temporary end. And and poetry is just prolonging of this end. Mm. When you talk about the, um, the finding the otherness, the focus on objects as metaphor, I mean, that really comes through in your poetry. That's one of the things that struck me, the use of 
sometimes objects that you don't expect um, as a metaphor for certain feelings or certain ideas. How would you describe your poems to someone who's never read them? It's the hardest, of course, <laughs> word. I know it's cliche, this answer, that a writer doesn't want to talk. Uh, and it's not about you don't want to, it's not about you're not afraid. It's not like a recipe um, of um, Coca-Cola, you know, that <laughs> being afraid that someone will make it. No, I would be very happy if I can uh, reconstruct what I wrote and deliver it like this to the people and say, and because... I think this is the the basis. This is the fundament of of uh, of uh, being uh, sincere and open to the world. Because the world is so open to you as as a human being, and you really think how to give the honest uh, response without um, putting dust on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hannah Arendt used to say that. Poetry is the closest, the closest form of art to the idea, because uh, if you see other forms, you, you're dependent on technology, on uh, you're dependent on um, other circumstances that delay uh, the source of uh, of the thought, and poetry is always there, uh, there as uh, it allows you to put yourself, to put the reader uh, in um, in a kind of dialogue. With delay, but dialogue that uh, never dis defined and never um, framed the space and and time, and I think, I think maybe that's that's why I always try to find what Shimborska will say. I will find try to find a door in in the stone, uh, or or uh, to try to find this silence between two paintings on the wall. We do need to take a break, but I'll be back shortly with Nikola Majirov, a poet and literary translator from Macedonia. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture, and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. I'm speaking with Nikola Majirov, an award-winning poet, essayist, literary translator and editor from Macedonia. Nicola, you know, you've been a poet now for more than two decades. Looking back, what are some of the common themes or ideas that emerge in your work? I think displacement, I think the dynamics of homes, then the silence that is a result not of, of fear, not of, uh, of being terrified, but the silence that is a result of pure existence, uh, the beginning of, of words, then um, I would say also uh, trying to trying to understand the the, the um, dynamic shape of the shadows of of things, the shadows of of winds, the shadows of of houses, because in that way. Um, I believe that if we want to confirm our um, uh, presence, there has to be something else, either from inside, either from outside. And I am maybe that's why I'm also astonished by poetry of witness, mm. something that was established 
um, especially in American uh, poetry, and it deals with uh, social, also with political and uh, ideological impact on on poetry, and it's not there because poetry could fix it, but to register it outside of all the history books outside of all the all the facts that are matter of statistics mm. because i believe much more in personal time and personal memory than the officialized one do you see your poetry as being political well once i was asked how comes i come from balkans place full of wars of uh, of divisions and and there is no blood in my poetry but there is the echo of mm. blood there mm. so in that sense it can be poetry uh, this can be considered political because also being anti-political is political mm. um brodsky used to say that the only let's say a uh, similarity between politics and poetry is the first are uh, the first two letters p and o <laughs> and but it's still i think uh, a certain point they they separate and it's good that is like this because this separation leaves uh, space for something um, in between something that gives space and time things to be fixed mm. And I find uh, poetry as a kind of post-memory, as kind of voice of um, of understanding, um, because it really it really helps. It's over, especially in oral tradition. Uh, there's no need to know the meaning of the word, just the way it is pronounced, just the way how it is. Um, let's say generated in the air shows you the message of that we are in fact all rooted in um, in beauty of this world. Mm. I'd like to talk a little bit about the language of your poetry. I mean, obviously, I'm only able to read it in English. So that's the translated version of what you've originally written it in. Um, does do you think that I'm reading a very different version? Well, it's, it's always, I always think that a, a poem is a, uh, in other language in other cultural context is uh, has a different life. And this um, this kind of um, multiplying of of, um, of 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 poem, in fact, it's uh, it doesn't kill it. Mm. It's uh, it's not about gaining when poetry travels from one language to another. It's not about losing or gaining. It's just a metamorphosis. I think it's the same when when we uh, cross. The border, and then you you feel kind of relief, some sometimes, or you feel kind of fear. Yeah. 
And you're not aware that uh, since this moment, your face changed, that your blood, your heartbeats changed. I think also the heartbeat of the poem, because I consider it really as a body, as, uh, as an architecture of, of, uh, of thought. And I also think that a poet, poem has to have different life in each, in each language. Mm. And it means that it has different silence there. It means that different uh, breathing, uh, different um, well, while you read the poem, there is a, and of course, uh, it's the beauty of it. It's uh, what Walter Benjamin uh, used to say that it, uh, it's kind of one of the most productive repeatings <laughs> when you try to translate from one language to another. Mm. And we all know that. No matter new life repeats every moment, every second around the world, but when you see just born child, you cannot avoid this happiness that repeats, but it is in its own, it's so different than all other happiness mm. around you. For me, at least in the English versions, what I really enjoy about your poetry is the um, there's a simplicity and a spareness to the words. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm wondering whether that's something that, it, you know, when you write in your own language, is that something you think about? Uh, it's natural because, you know, uh, luckily I didn't publish when I wanted to be complicated. <laughs> so... I keep it for myself. Um, sometimes I, I think as much as as you try to to build the net of uh, in horizontal and vertical on these coordinates of 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 um, being complicated of complexity of things. I mean, it's the easiest way to to end up there as as a, as a victim mm -hmm. and uh, so somehow I was always trying to to find the voice the cleanest voice um, and like this uh, to deliver it in order other uh, people can can add their their, their voices of, of experience, their voices of hopes, of fears. And in, in that case, I think this exchange is, is, is most uh, beautiful. And I, I, that's why I, I like uh, being uh, reading and sharing with, with people, no matter being uh, on the other side. As a, as a reader and listener or being at the, at, at the stage. Because I don't believe only in this distance between the eye and the ear of the reader, but I also think there is a distance behind me when I am on the stage from the time when this poem is written and the time when I, when I say. And if you give, if you're just um, part of the air when you, deliver this poem then I think it's the the the, the simplicity then the, this simplicity has its uh, own justification mm -hmm. and own life mm 
everything else would be just uh, uh, an attempt to become everything. And we know that everything, we're not ready because we are not God. Mm. Your first collection um, was in 1999, right? And exactly. it was called Locked in the City. And for that, you actually won the Best Debut Award, the Studensky Zabor Award. Yes. Um, and your, I think the most recent collection you had was in 2013, was that right? Yes. Remnants of Another Age. Exactly, yes. How have you seen your work evolve from the very first collection to now? Well, I think um, in this uh, time distance, I wouldn't even publish anything. So <laughs> <laughs> it's this kind of a, a evolution is, um, um, yeah, long for beginning still, to <laughs> be honest. I long to write my first book. <laughs> and... But once you publish, once you expose your name, you cannot run away from yourself. And because we, in a way, I, as I said, I, I grew up in, in communism and I didn't write, I didn't publish anything there. But people who were writing and who wanted to escape from this surrealistic Poetics of social realism that was forced by the state, especially right. after the the Second World War, they were telling me that they were facing censorships and other things. But they and they say about it with such pride mm. and, and that they or they managed to somehow to smuggle some words that was so anti-communistic or some sentence that is kind of beginning of new poetics. But no. My censorship is auto-censorship, mm. and it's maybe the hardest one because there are no witnesses. You cannot be hero. I cannot, I cannot. What to say that I, I, I gave up this word? Why did I give up? There is no a political. There is no ideological uh, story uh, behind it. But still, there is um, another story, uh, a story of feel, feeling responsibility towards the world. Mm. No matter, I think, that poetry cannot change the world, but it can change the way how we look at the world. One line written, written on a wall that divides the city helps you to forget that there is a wall. Mm. You focus on those words. And by focusing on those words, you look at them as cracks so you can see something behind. Mm. And you do a lot of traveling with your poetry. Um, you've been to many festivals around the world. In fact, you came here for the Georgetown Literary Festival. Yes, it, yes, it's a pleasure, and I'm 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 really so much thankful to the team of, of Georgetown. Amazing festival, one of the best I have ever been. Mm. Wonderful uh, guest, great lineup. Um, I'm really thanking to, uh, so thankful to. To the organizers, to Pauline, and uh, to the team uh, there, and um, yes, traveling is uh, is important. If it's uh, it starts usually with escape, 
Yes. Uh, then, then you try to escape from the memory. You try to escape from others' history uh, that doesn't fit with the stories of of uh, your family. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when you open your eyes and you don't, you're not focused on the things that run after you, then you start seeing things around you. And I think it's the moment that I travel by being, trying to be aware and to accumulate everything I see, I, I, I read and I hear. And when you present your poetry to people who are not from your country, not from your culture, um, what is that exchange like? It's a beautiful thing because I I see this like two two beasts meeting in 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 a empty fields coming from uh, uh, their own forests, and then you try to figure out uh, the power of the other, and. And at the end, you understand that even without harming, uh, you can continue your road. And this meeting is very important. I, w- I used to say that the body of a poet has to be the shadow of its, his, its poetry. The body has to come later after a poem travels mm-hmm. and because everything else will will make you, uh, um, how they say, the, the announcer the, that usually, you know, in armies, the, the first one that announces yeah. the yeah. war. And it, it, I, I prefer to, to come later when, when people already establish kind of relation to, to the world and they try to recognize something and Ortega y Gasset also used to say that poetry is is a, uh, the secret is when people recognize both their passion and their pain mm. and this kind of uh, chain of sensibilities is very important and I, I, I really think that it functions I usually used to say that when you open the atlas when you open the map of the world we all first thing we see is the thick and dark lines that that show the borders, yeah. but they are almost invisible lines that connect mountains with same high, and this invisibility of poetry has to be exactly this: the mm. thick and invisible line that connects, and that's why I still consider the poetry as kind of a secret language of understanding and what we translate from one language to another is not only the bridge but this hole under the bridge that allows the river to flow. Mm. Does it often strike you or come to mind that you might be the first Macedonian poet that many people around the world would have encountered? Does that what is that experience like? 
I never thought, I really never thought about it because maybe, maybe because um, I consider uh, mother, my mother tongue so kind of organic part of me mm. and I don't think that I do something special by exposing this language to s some other place. Uh, but some people used to say, yes, uh, it's uh, a first Macedonian poet or a, a writer that I, I hear or read. And I would be very happy if, if it's I'm just a fragment of just found in archaeological site <laughs> so people can dig deeper into this collective memory of the region I come from. But I still think that the secret of, of poetry is the universal language and I I feel myself belonging to to a space outside of of geography and and it's it's not it's not the matter of, of loudness this uh, kind of thing but it's uh, I think it's it's just a matter of of um, of sh sharing of um, dispersing uh, the grains mm. of of dust. Well, on that note, um, I understand you're going to do a little reading for us to end end the interview with. Yes, I will read uh, you a poem um, named. Shadows pass us by, and if you allow me, I will read you first in my mother tongue in Macedonian, and then in English. I, of course, go on. Thank you, Tenyo Minuvat. Eden den, ke se sretneme kako broće od harte i lubenica što se ladi vo rekata, nemirot na svetot ke vide so nas, so dlankite ke go pomračime sonce, to i so fener ke se dobližuvame. Eden den vetrot nema da go promeni pravec od brezate ke isprati lisje vo našite čevli pred pragot i volcite ke trgnat po našata nevinnost. Peperutkite ke go ostavat svojot prav raz našite obrazi. Една старица секое утро ќе раскажува за нас во чекалната и ова што го кажувам е веќе кажано. Го чекаме ветрот како две знамења на граничен премин еден ден. Сите сенки ќе не одминат. Shadows pass us by. We'll meet one day like a paper boat and a watermelon that's been cooling in the river. The anxiety of the world will be with us. Our palms will eclipse the sun and we'll approach each other holding lanterns. One day, the wind won't change direction. The birds will send away leaves into our shoes on the doorstep. The wolves will come after our innocence. The butterflies will leave their dust on our cheeks. An old woman will tell stories about us in the waiting room every morning. Even what I'm saying has been said already. We are waiting for the wind like two flags on a border. One day, every shadow will pass us by. Thank you so much. Thank you.
I've been speaking with award-winning poet, essayist, literary translator and editor Nikola Majirov from Macedonia. Nikola was one of the many writers and poets who were featured recently at the Georgetown Literary Festival in Penang. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous Front Row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.